Hey, everybody. Welcome to Shift. Today's episode is with Shane Warner of the Iron Will podcast. Shane Warner has overcome drug addiction. He's overcome a traumatic brain injury, and he now hosts his own podcast called Iron Will, which if you haven't checked it out, go on to Spotify, go into Apple Podcasts and check it out. He shares a lot of stories of overcoming. And when we talk about radical accountability, we talk about vulnerability, and we talk about having to overcome really hard things in life like think about going into a situation before christmas to help a friend and waking up in january in the hospital that's the kind of stuff that shane has had to overcome this is his story and i hope you enjoy it um well um i'm really excited to um get this opportunity because i feel like i've been on a lot of podcasts before i've spoken you cast before really dare to share my whole story you know just it's uh there's way more um than just the brain injury um like i went to jail in 2007 um i was in a um, walmart parking lot and an undercover police officer was um, watching my two friends make a drug deal. And so I was on the phone and I um, like, I was on the phone and I heard this undercover officer yelling at my two friends. So I went over there because I, didn't know who he was or anything like that so um um i i just basically turned myself in to the police uh, um because of my decision to go over and see what was going on but so they got they arrested all three of us and i spent um christmas um day christmas in jail wow actually that year yeah, so, um, and then, like, I was doing um, the, I classify myself as a drug addict or anything like that. I would just, um, I would smoke weed and um, um, do ecstasy and stuff like that, and it's what we actually got busted for was ecstasy but um and anyway so i would was going down that path of like a partying kid and stuff like that and um so eventually i got married in 2008 um i got married to a girl that we i was partying partying with and so she's she was into that lifestyle also and um the reason why we ended up getting married was her mom was moving to arkansas and so she really didn't have a um way to stay um in utah and so we just 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 decided to get married and so it wasn't like uh i didn't necessarily love this girl 
you know, yeah. and, um, I just got married just because, um, so we split up in, um, December of 2008 and, um, so we were living separated. I was actually moved back in with my parents. And um, so I was living with my parents and still like doing the drugs and stuff like that. And eventually they got sick of it. Me um, always being high and um, always like screwing up basically. And so they kicked me out and um i moved in with uh this couple in orm utah and eventually my um wife that i was split up with moved in there and like i don't remember much of that like living situation um it was kind of just a blur to me because I overdosed in September of 2009. Um, I overdosed on methadone. Um, just like that was what was available at the time. And so I was just kind of um, going in between, um, like we would do like cocaine and um, like, my big thing was just pain pills um and so i but i overdosed on methadone um and that was a really big turning point for me like i woke up in in the hospital and um i was in a coma for a little bit and um that was a really big turning point for me because I knew like that I, if I kept going down this path, I was going to kill myself. Yeah. Not meaning to, but that's what would have happened. Like, uh, and so decided I was going to join the army or the military. I actually started out wanting to join the Marines, but the Marines um, have strict guidelines. Yeah. Um, and I, I had too many traffic tickets on my record. And so they couldn't, uh, wouldn't take me. And so I finally decided on the Army. And um, so I start. Um, I went to the recruiter in the spring of 2010. And so um, I like was signed up to go in July of that year. And um, they, the army came back and said the same thing that the Marines did that I have, have too many traffic tickets and I wouldn't be able to join. Um, but the recruiter told me to go talk to the National Guard and see if I can get in. Um, and the recruiter told me that um, I didn't have to worry about what my job would be. Um, I wanted to go infantry um, in the Army. 
And um, so the recruiter told me that just sign up with any job and you'll be able to switch jobs. Um, and that's not true. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, what'd you so end up doing the be careful what you're, um, I was, a uh, um, the, uh, engineer. Okay. And so I finally, I finally signed up on the dotted line in September 23rd, 2011. And I had been trying to get into the military since 2010. So, um, I, that was like one of the best things that anyone could do, um, that's struggling and, um, like having problems with discipline and anything like that, um, joining the military, um, going to basic training and like going through that whole situation is like life changing. Um, was that why you will, just go in was just cause you felt like you needed discipline. You needed somewhere to help keep you like focused. I, I felt, that. yes. And I felt like if I stayed, um, living it, home or living in um spanish fork utah i would just keep going down the same path and i thought that was gonna be um the only chance for me to like turn my life around basically what do you think um, on that path what do you think put you in a place where was that just the community you were in was did you have childhood trauma did you have stuff going on at home was it just the in um no i i always wanted to join the military ever since 9-11 and um Mm. like that's the kind of the cliche with people around our age um is the that they wanted to join since 9-11 and just um i thought that's gonna be my last chance basically to Mm. be able to do something positive with my life you know yeah and so i'm curious what how did you end up in a situation where you were using drugs and partying all the time and like was that just, you just kind of fell into it? Was it just the crowds you were running with or? Oh, okay. Um, so I played basketball up until junior year. And then um, I got cut from the basketball team. And I started hanging around with um, a whole different crowd. And so um, like I before I would hang out with the athletes and stuff like that. And it was into that whole thing. And um, then after I got cut from the basketball team, I just found new people to hang out with. And they were just on the same path path as I was. So, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I always find I'm always fascinated by what brings people into a space where 
they're trying to like numb pain or avoid mm -hmm. like what's really happening. Cause for me, like, so, you know, overcoming, you know, alcoholism or, or that addiction and getting sober was really about having to like face my own demons and deal with my own stuff. Right. Yeah. It's like, I think a lot of, a lot of people who have either addiction issues or issues who are there where they're, where they're, using other things to to numb that it's almost like the opposite of accountability right like it's like i don't want to deal yeah. so what can i do to just distract mm -hmm. as long as possible and some some distractions are way more harmful than others some people do it with food some people do it with sex some people do it with drugs yeah. and alcohol some are way more destructive right so obviously um so you go through that whole experience you get so you did you end up going into the guard then did you end up serving for a couple of years yes um i went in um or i went in october of 2011 into basic training and um i went through ait and then went home after that um and served um up until my brain injury finally felt like I was like making, you know, I finally, finally felt like I was doing something with my life and it felt good, you know, yeah. just to have that, um, the national, the national guard. And I was working as a plumber. And so I was on my feet and doing pretty good. The best I've, I had ever done. Um, yeah. so and then I met this girl and I knew her from high school and we'd ended up dating and moving in with each other. Um, and then I um, found out that she was doing heroin. Um, wow. I found out because um, on my counter, on my bathroom counter, there was a needle. And I found that. And um, so I was basically trying to help her through her getting over heroin and stuff like yeah. that. And so it, I and think been so um, by then you were clean and, and you, you were doing good. Yeah. So you felt like you had a place where you could help her come through that. Yes. And like eventually she was going up to Salt Lake um every day and getting drugs and he or heroin and um so i was in the process of moving her stuff out because i felt like there was nothing more i could do for her. Mm. you know I, I thought that um it was no longer up to me you know and um so i was kind of moving her stuff out um and on December 15th she called me and said she owed these people money um in West Valley Utah and could I come up and help her out with the like the money she owes give to the people um and so I went out there with her her mom and her sister and um we called 
the police at first that she was that didn't do anything like i guess they didn't have a warrant or anything like that so they could just question the people and like that's pretty much it and so um eventually like we were up there for a couple hours you know and um eventually we just decided to there was like no way to help her out um and so we decided to leave and we were actually almost on the freeway um and she called one more time and she said give these people four hundred dollars they'll let me go with you home with you guys and um it just so happened that i cast my christmas bonus that day and i so i had a thousand extra dollars in my wallet um so i just figured um i really care about about this person and um if there's anything i can do to help her out I'll, i'll do it and so we went up um i went up to the door um to give this um people the money that shield them and this kid answered the door and he um i was yelling at him and like belligerent yelling like um at the top of my lungs and 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 really um anger angry and so eventually he closed the door in my face and i kicked it open so i remember getting punched in the nose and on right when i came through the door i got punched in the nose and um that like really stunned me and so i grabbed this kid and we were we were wrestling um eventually i got him like to trip over a, a table um and then i just started hitting him and um like um um, my right hand in the fight um and then i don't know how long this went on for um but eventually another kid came up from behind us um i was kind of up on him and so he hit me in the head with a baseball bat Wow. And I, I really rem- thing I really remember is her mom and her sister were helping me carrying my, me out of, of the house and the ambulance was already there. And so um that's crazy. Needed that money for um help out of the situation or if she just wanted to screw me for more drugs or um what but um yeah so um it's just amazing what people will do and know like i know how um you'll steal from your parents even and like the people that raised you and you should have the most respect for you'll steal from them and it's just amazing yeah, that's crazy. But, um, so, so I went, I remember um, 
in the hospital. This is really my last memory bef um, before I woke up uh, out of my coma. But um, anyway, um, I remember they said my sister was calling and the hospital and I did I want to talk to her and so I couldn't even talk um I couldn't say no or yeah it was just shaking my head head in pain and um so um but I guess that was her sister that was calling so I don't know it just all all this stuff happened like um at the same time it felt like and and so um it's just really confusing um for me to think back on it yeah i think i think um some sometimes i feel like i remember stuff and then i don't know if it's real or I, you know that kind of feeling yeah so from what i understand though like you had this situation where like you you basically had overcome your drug addiction you'd gotten your life together you were you were feeling pretty good you were still kind of hanging out with some people that maybe had some struggles and needed to get their 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 lives together but in the course of trying to help this girl from what you think is a desperate situation you get into an altercation where you end up getting getting hit in the back of the head with a baseball bat and and if i remember correctly in, in listening to your story you were in a coma for like two weeks like you woke up and you went into the situation before christmas and when you woke up people were talking about what yeah. they had done for christmas break like you were in the hospital for two two weeks or so yeah. before yep. with zero memory yeah 57 days yeah i was in the hospital for 57 days and um that includes like rehabilitation um yeah. and stuff like that so and they but, told you in the hospital uh, that you weren't going to talk again right yeah and i i still obviously struggle with some words and like my speech is a little bit off but it's far exceeded what they um had said i was gonna get back yeah. and like they don't know because every brain injury is different you know and so, yeah so um it just depends on a lot of things but um i remember they kind of told me that not in um the way they told my parents that they told them like flat out i wasn't gonna talk again but um they my speech therapist um brought in like it was kind of like an ipad and it had like buttons that had um food or water or and you could press that button and it would say i want water or and so they were kind of getting me used to that um that um and teaching me how to use that and stuff like yeah um, and then i remember my sister bought brought in her ipad and it had a game on it and the game would um put a word on the screen 
and then say it and then have you say it back to um, the program and okay. it were record you and so hear what you sounded like and I would practice that like every night after my family would leave I would be um, practicing on that like constantly and like the next time I saw my speech therapist um, so this was on a Friday um, and then I saw her again on a Monday and so she said I had made um, like two weeks progress in that um, weekend. Wow. And so just on my talking and then like, I think I always had um, a hardworking attitude, you know, um, and like certain things factor into that, like uh, joining the military um, mm-hmm. and having to go what I went through with my hour overdose and stuff um so but I I always had that mindset but I think that this um brain injury has really brought me to a, a another level of knowing that um hard work and discipline and dedication um, is super important and you don't get in anywhere without that like yeah you I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am now if I would have um, did like the bare minimum you know yeah. do you do any do you do any sort of therapy or like I know you do physical therapy and I know you do speech therapy and I know that there's there's things to help with the physical side of the, the traumatic brain injury i'm curious if you see a therapist to go through like the emotional and the mental side of it because like just listening to your story there's so many different ways that you could have chosen to think about this you know physical thing that happened to you and i'm, I'm wondering mm-hmm where you think that the willpower to hear someone say, you're not going to walk again, you're not going to talk again, you're not going to get, you know, full function of your systems back. And for you to go, yeah, F that, I'm going to do what I got to do. That That's typical, that's, that's not a typical response. Um, yeah, so I'm curious I, yeah. Like, what, what that um, looks like for you. I think, um, more of it that comes with how I was raised. Um, I was raised uh, like I would um, go with my grandparents during the day. I wasn't in school, you know, mm-hmm. and they would tend me. And my grandpa um, was amazing. Like he um, would, like, he had all you could think of and he um knew how to do or fix anything and um so he had also like a plastic molding company and he would make like um um, forks and spoons and um, anything like that and he also had a um like uh 
horse medicine company. And so he, like, I think um, the reason why I like feel like he helped me out in so many ways, you know, was mm -hmm. because um, I think when you're younger, you look up to people around you more than you would like a teenager would or any anything sure. like that and so i was around him at, at that time of my life and so yeah. i would really like um obsess on anything he did you know yeah and he just kind of put in that work ethic and that like oh yeah all that stuff so are are were your parents involved were your parents around or was that was that a positive experience for you yeah um definitely had a good um, relationship with both of my parents and um like my dad worked a lot but he would always like we would always go hunting and take trips as, as a family and stuff like that and so like families um i i think that's why like i really appreciate people you know yeah i appreciate them almost to my downfall in a way i trust like i have um a lot of trust for people and yeah. even with when they like aren't doing things like positive towards me yeah. i can kind of kind of shoo it off and um i, I don't know yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like, you know, the situation that, that resulted in your brain injury was you trying to help somebody who maybe yeah. really shown up in a way that most people would say deserved your support, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, I, I guess kind of that kind of lends me to wonder about, you know, how we set healthy boundaries, right? And how we how we tell people like, hey, I'm yeah. here for you. And it's a dangerous situation because it's crazy to me. Like, I try to explain to my kids all the time. And I don't know. Are you are you married? Do you have family? I'm I am divorced. Okay. I, um, so I yeah I don't have kids yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. So I try to it's, it's it's I always try to tell my kids like you know the choices they make. A lot of times we make those choices. Maybe they got good intentions. Maybe they have you know we're trying to help people or whatever and not to tell people like hey you shouldn't help others because i'm a i'm that's not what i'm saying like i'm a huge fan of yeah that. i think people should like show up for people as much as possible and like man you talk about how a simple decision changes the course of your life in mm -hmm. dramatically you know impactful ways right because in both good and good and, and, and challenging, right? Because like you have, since your brain injury, you, you've gotten to a place where like, you know, you couldn't walk and now you're, you're running, you're, you're, you're getting to like really, really push yourself physically. You were told you wouldn't be able to speak. You host a podcast, you know, and you interview people and you're bringing that message of what it means to have an iron will to people. So I want to talk a little bit about your podcast and, and a little bit about what what that looks like for you now. Like, because I kind of almost feel like, do you feel like there's a sense of responsibility? Like, once you choose to like, I'm going to beat this, I'm going to overcome this. Do you use that, like people who are watching you and listening to you as motivation to like, I can't let these people down, not alone myself, but 
Like, what how yes. did it go for you? Um, so we we were on like episode twenty five around there, and uh, decided to put on a Iron Wheel five k um, to support brain injury or um, brainstorm for brain injury. Um, they're a nonprofit and a local to utah non-profit and so we decided to raise money for them and put on a virtual 5k and so i didn't know like if anyone was wanting to sign up or how many people or whatever but um we had like a hundred people sign up and we wow. were able to raise um three thousand dollars for this brainstorm for brain injury. And I, I think, like you said, it's um, important to know who, like, I don't know if deserve is the right word, um, but who, um, I don't know, do, yeah, like, yeah. all I can come up with is deserves, but yeah. who deserves the help? And that is, like close to me so like that's important to me and so i i felt like uh, um this was the perfect person or the perfect nonprofit to help out with that yeah. and um actually it's funny um so i just had my um fourth brain surgery and hopefully this one's the final one um but i actually went to dr judy gooch who runs brainstorm for brain injury so i'm already getting like the benefits of helping that person you know and so um because i was able to um have her look look at me and suggest that i got the brain shirt surgery and it has helped out so much like i wasn't able to like i was getting headaches and um falling down like uh um dizzy spells and stuff like that and i can like walk 50 feet without falling down and wow. since that so i got that um um i got that surgery on june 8th if if this year okay. and yeah what are, those, and what are I, they doing in those surgery are they just releasing pressure are they trying to so i had my bone flap um removed and reinstalled and then um they it was like caving in and it had been getting worse and worse and it eventually it started like touching on my brain and so they had to remove that bone flap and put in like a plastic um plastic one and so that's the surgery i just got and that was on like i said june 8th of yeah. this year and but that piece of your like skull, i said i that put that part of your skull is is a fabricated piece that's plastic yes 
Yeah. And so, like, I mean, that's got to create some PTSD and some drama, some trauma for you because, like, your brain is not fully protected in the way that someone else's is. Like, you have some real. Well, it's way more protected now after the surgery than it was because my, yeah, like you said, like my brain was like, um, my bone flap was caving in and actually touching my brain. And so like, and not to mention the symptoms was me falling down all the time. And so like um, you said, like that makes me really aware of anything any move i do i have to be super aware yeah so like so my wife had a stroke three and a half years ago and she had a dissected yeah. carotid artery she had brain surgery they 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 didn't go into her skull they they went in through her femoral artery and they were able to use a catheter to remove blood clots from her brain um but and and that's i mean not even comparable to what you've experienced and, and what you've gone through she's super hyper aware we got a bunch of small kids right so they're playing they get up on the couch if anything comes and happens behind her yeah she's like (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't want anything around her neck or her head yeah um it's just like there's this whole ptsd around you know sometimes it's not a big deal but yeah yeah the fact that I got hit in the back of the head, like yeah. if anything happens behind me, I'm on it, man. Yeah. And so you uh, were just, you, I, you were saying think, you were just in Colorado, like, and you went to a baseball game, like, does that, that environment just freak you out? Like, um, lights not, and people it, and stuff? No, well, like I went to a basketball game and it was completely worse. Um, being in a stadium, I guess um, being outside is different. Okay. Just, I feel safe, safer there, but, um, but like when I went to the basketball game or even the baseball game, like I um, have trouble with my right side. So um, I have foot drop on my um, right side and like my arm will raise up and, so it's uh, just th- something you have to deal with, though. Yeah. Do you, you the, the thing that this makes me think of is like there's that saying, right? Like you never know what someone else is dealing with or what people have been through. Oh yeah. And, yep. Like, cause and and it's weird to say. Like I don't know. I don't know a better way to say this. I'll just say it. But like you look totally normal, right? Like you look fine. Yeah. If, I, if I walked into a restaurant and you were just sitting there, if I saw you at a baseball game, I wouldn't know that you yeah. had a brain injury and that you were like having to really focus on maintaining composure at times. Right. Or like at a basketball game. And it just makes me think about like how mindful everyone else can be that like, yeah. you really don't know what people are dealing with. And like, cause I imagine there's times that you're just kind of like, Hey, what was that? Or, or like, you know, you might have a reaction that is, is really like not controllable. It's just a, it's a, it's a reaction because yeah. you're trying to protect yourself and people might look at you funny or they might wonder like, why is this guy freaking out? And it just really shows like, we don't know what people are dealing with. 
And yeah. Yeah. It, well, hmm. having a, that type of injury or um, traumatic situation really brings that to light, you know, it um, like before I started in my podcast, um, the kind of the reason why I wanted to start the podcast is because people would just come up and talk to me and tell me like um, about their stroke or about their missing the, a leg or about their dog dying. And, and like, I just wanted to be able to um, have those people share their stories with um, more um, because like you asked if I go to like therapy for PTSD mm -hmm. or anything like that. And I, I don't, but um, I use, I kind of use the podcast in that way yeah. for therapy for me, you know, just talking to people like it's already therapy um, for speech yeah. therapy, but um, just relating to people on if, even if they like I um, the first podcast I, I was ever on um, I was on Dakota Myers podcast and he's a medal of honors recipient and yeah. he's obviously gone through hell um, in his own life and um, and, and in a completely different situation than I have been through but that kind of is what made me realize that like everyone's situation is different but like to the core or whatever they're kind of the same yeah. like yeah they're more sim similar than anyone realizes yeah i think it's really crazy how our experiences can be uniquely ours and at the same time, the emotions we feel and like sort of the root cause of how we react or respond to those experiences are often so much the same, right? Like we all feel yeah. shame. We all feel alone. You know, I love that you're doing the podcast as part of a catharsis for you to kind of go, hey, if I can, if I can be heard and at the same time, help other people be heard, yeah, then I get to, you know, there's this phrase you know, with age, your mess becomes your message, right? And like, that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking this experience of yours that that's maybe a mess, maybe it's not. It's just, you know, it makes it makes the phrase work, right? But yeah. like, you get to, you get to express to others what you've experienced. And what I, what I really dig about it, and what I was, why I was drawn to you. I mean, we travel in some of the same circles. We have some of the same friends, you know, yeah. and, and and I think when you talk a lot about accountability and you talk about what it's like to to face your demons, you end up kind of knowing the same people, right? But what I love about it is that that your attitude and your desire for using your story as a way to inspire others, right? Because I've done interviews. I just interviewed a guy who's uh, got stage four colorectal cancer. And he's launched a, a, a nonprofit and he's using his experience to help others and taking what he's learning. He's yeah. one step ahead of them. But it's like we have this choice when things happen to us to either just kind of curl up and die, which I know people who have made that choice. Yeah. Or 
to say, hey, this isn't going to beat me. This isn't going to be the best of me. And it doesn't define me, right? Like, like you've had a traumatic brain injury, but that's not who you are or what you are. And, and using that to inspire others, I think is a really powerful um, way to, I, I think maybe you tell me, but I think it's a way for you to, to kind of own your situation, right? Like you feel like you're in control of it versus it controlling you, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I actually started an LLC under Iron Will and a nonprofit. And I used that um, nonprofit side to um, like put on the Iron Will 5K or whatever. But yeah. Um, and I started you're do it again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. I didn't do it this year because of my um surgery but um next year we will definitely have one but um so i met like you and i both know john chase um and so i met john chase at the gym um and um he he's like the biggest um motivating person in my life like right now because um he's always like pushing me to do more and stuff like that but anyway I was really drawn to um him as a person and I really respect him so I um, started the podcast with him but um I also um this LLC, I, um, he's a partner with me and, um, I'm doing, I'm buying a CNC machine, um, and I'm going to make like metal or metal pieces of art or whatever, but that wasn't my original idea to do with the, um, iron will. It was, um, just, to have like an app that um like a a therapy app kind of thing that people could go to to get ideas for um physical therapy and like even speech therapy or whatever but that's gonna take a lot of time and a lot of money and so i'm um thinking outside the box and um buying this CNC machine and so I can start making money with that and then putting them back into this um, iron nice. wheel so yeah nice that's cool man that's cool so that's what's next for you then is is putting out some artwork creating something else generating yep. a revenue stream with that yep. and and yeah we know John uh, John's over at Chase Movement there yeah is he he's up in utah so if you're in that area yeah orem orem utah yep yeah so that's awesome he's gotten you on that path of physical fitness right so Mm -hmm. i understand you guys are training together and and you have a facebook group your facebook group is meant for people who've had tbis or or no no what's the um, so I could have went that way, but John 
um, has his own um, truck struggles in life and it kind of uh, along the same lines of me what in my past with the drugs and stuff like that um so our idea is to it's for anyone that's been through a traumatic situation in their life and from that and um, use it to themselves and it to stronger more positive people nice Nice. And so you're, you'll be able to run everything through that, through the podcast and really just build a community for supporting yes. people who've overcome things in their life, whether it's addiction, whether it's, you know, physical trauma, um, you know, all of that. So I love the way that you've taken ownership of your story and your situation and decided that you could use it to help people in their own journeys. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap it up and, and put this one to bed. Uh, um, I just want to share the um, definition of iron will, if I can. Yeah. Um, it's a, a burning determination that cannot be stopped or hindered by anything. Willing to do anything to get a desired outcome. Extremely resilient. I love it. I love it. And then you have a saying, don't you? What is it? What if I could? What if I can? You were told well, a lot I, you couldn't do stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. And I always would say, what if I can? Yeah. So when, where's that shirt? Where do I buy that shirt? <laughs> it's I, coming. I love <laughs> that phrase. And I think it's an awesome, we used to, I used to, in my coaching business, we would talk about a culture of yes. Right. And it's like when people tell you like, well, what about this or what about that? Or can we do this? Like, just what if we thought yes first? Right. It doesn't mean that we were going to make it happen. But so many times people are like, oh, I want to do like my son came to me and was like, hey, I want to do 75 hard. And I was like, no way. That's crazy. And yeah. I like had to remind myself, like, what happened to the culture of yes? Like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And then maybe you find out, hey, it's not going to work out or it's not for me, whatever. Well, but like, it doesn't, it doesn't help to think like that way, like that you can't do it because like that um, you're all already defeated. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. I'm really grateful for your time today. I appreciate you taking some time to share your story and, and to talk to about, you know, the determination and what iron will is. I definitely want to invite everybody to, check out the iron will podcast, check out the iron will Facebook group, uh, and, you know, follow Shane on, uh, Instagram and I'll put all that in the, in the show description. So you can get those links okay. and find all that stuff. And man, I'm looking forward to watching what you guys create, what you guys do. And I'm just really grateful to have gotten to met you and hear your story and, and you're an inspiration, brother. I appreciate it. Same here, man.